Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Welcome to Jesus 911, three man car. Jess Romero, Paul Clay, and my friend Matt Reed. I just met him a few months ago. Matt's the retired New York Police Department officer. We're going to talk about uh, uh, how things are going over in the East Coast with the Catholic faith. I just want to remind you that today is All Souls Day. The church celebrates today and commemorates all the faithful departed. Uh, we as Catholics believe that the souls that have been separated from the body but are not yet uh, ready to enjoy the beatific vision due to the fact that they must be cleansed in purgatory. That's also a Jewish belief. The Jews also believe that as well. The Greeks believe that as well. So it's not something Catholics made up whole cloth. This is Old and New Testament. The Bible says in Revelation 21, 27, that nothing unclean shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Matt, yeah, <laughs> Matt Reed, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much, Jesse. Great to be here. Great to be with you too, Paul. Thank you, Matt. Matt, tell us a little bit about... I'm part of a telegram. Uh, there's a group that you guys started out there in the East Coast with a bunch of uh, active and retired cops out there in the East Coast. It's called the Fraternity of St. Michael. How did that come about? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it came about uh, some years ago as a result of uh, me being on the uh, New York City Police Department. I was on the NYPD for 22 and a half years. Uh, about uh, 14 years into my time at the NYPD, I was just really looking around for something to to address these very, very serious issues regarding uh, the lack of faith on the job uh, on the NYPD. And I guess you could go to really any police department in the country for that matter, as far as that goes these days. And there really wasn't any sort of robust organization that was really um, addressing these concerns. So I, I took it honestly upon myself and I met some other guys along the way and we had a fraternity within the NYPD that um, you know, we went to, to mass and we did some other things together and, and, and uh, introduced some guys to traditional Catholicism, something that they'd never seen before. And as, as the years went on, um, you know, things you have, you stay in life, things kind of uh, are tough to keep going. And it kind of uh, went dormant for a little while. And then I met a young cop from Long Island at the great Father Paracone's uh, men's retreat uh, in 2020. It was one of the few retreats that was taking place because of everything mm. being shut down. But um, mm. but I met uh, this young cop from Long Island, and we both had the same exact um, thought process as far as what really needs to be done. So we really relaunched the Patrolman's Fraternity of St. Michael in order to reach out to cops on the job who didn't, who were living the faith but didn't needed a, a fraternal uh, organization to be able to to share that with others to know that they're not the only ones. Uh, yes. And also reach out to many who just don't know where to go. They they want to live a life of faith, but they honestly, in many ways, don't know how because they're not hearing the truth from almost anyone. They're hearing garbage. And we mm. took it upon ourselves to Love say, this. <laughs> yeah, to, to, you know, we need to go out there and find these guys because they are out there and uh, they've been let down and they're our brothers. We love them and we want to bring them into the fold here. Wow. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to recruit a bunch of guys out here that I network with. So you'll, you'll be getting a bunch of phone calls, Paul being one of them. So you can put Excellent. on the telegram. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be getting some serious, yeah. uh, 
some cops out here to to uh there's a there's gonna be a west coast connection hey uh matt we tell us that. a little bit about tell us a little bit about um okay so you're in the nypd you've been there for 22 years and what happened why did you have to cut your career short what ended up happening that you're no longer in the nypd tell us a little bit about that well i i loved my time on the nypd and it, it came to a a very unfortunate um very quick end just because of the uh the mandates that came down from the uh from the covid uh jab shall we call it yeah mm-hmm. and so we were mandated to get this to get this jab and um myself and many many others you know thousands of other cops firemen sanitation workers other civil servants and and everything in between were uh just not gonna get it Sarah just is I, I never had any intention of getting this as soon as it came out uh, looking at how how it came about very problematic I don't understand how you can ever uh, it just defies reason that you can that something that starts off as evil can turn out to be a moral good it just mm. defies logic in and of itself that this can be an act of charity um, not to mention all the other things that came along the way some very troubling stories that we started hearing almost right away. So yes. uh, I put a religious exemption in for the department and many others did, which was, that was a story in and of itself because to <laughs> even get the paperwork to, to get it because almost every Bishop had banned their priests from even writing letters to their parishioners yeah. for these, for these, um, these exemptions. So it- you had to produce your own legal document. You had to, get one of these letters that there was almost a black market of sorts that was set up to even find one of these letters. Cause these, you know, some heroic priests said, you know what, I'm still writing these letters, but you had to find them. And you had yeah. to really have a, a network to find out who, where these priests were. So, um, it was the same thing out on the West coast, Matt. Um, you know, I had guys calling me up, telling me, uh, LT, you know, they're trying to make us get the shot, you know, uh, unfortunately uh, for them, on at least on the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, they um, they they were never forced to. I mean, it, it became yeah. a union issue. And then mm-hmm. by the time by the time it got to that point, uh, the county just, you know, let it go, uh, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. But New York was 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 terrible. You know what I mean? That they they. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there was real serious Kool Aid drinking uh, going on at this neck of the woods here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, true to form, New York. Uh, uh, you know, it's liberal uh, policies. You know, I, 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 like I, the only thing I'm shocked at is that California, you know, wasn't right there with them. You know, they were just a little bit behind. And thankful for the guys that that I worked with. Um, you know, they didn't. They weren't forced to take the jab, even though it. Uh, it was getting to that point. Yeah. Glad so Matt, obviously you were conflicted. I mean, uh, you don't want to, lo- you know, you don't want to retire. You still love the job. You want to keep on doing what you're doing, but uh, yeah. your Catholic faith, your conscience, your moral conscience kicked in, right? It, it did. And, you know, I think it's, it's certainly partially uh, upbringing. I've, I was brought up in a, in a household that was, I always say gray didn't exist in my household. It was black and white. And if you tread it into uh if you treaded into the part where you weren't supposed to be, that you were corrected pretty quickly. So um, I think that turned out to be a real, a real um, attribute, I guess, in my my adult life because I 
I never really even considered it. I just knew that if I was forced to do it, this would be the end of my police career. And I was very fortunate, though, because I had enough time that I could retire where mm-hmm. many, many others did not. Yes. And um, so they really, like I've said before, I see my, myself as speaking on their behalf because I had a very yeah. soft landing. Yes, many you did, did not have a soft landing. Yeah, a lot of people aren't aware that out there in New York, you got that 20-year retirement that you can 20 and out. Um, yeah. A lot of places don't have that luxury. But uh, but it, irregardless, you know, if you weren't ready to retire and you had more to give, um, what you did was uh, uh, commendable. Um, and like you said, um, there were a lot of reasons not to get that shot. Uh, uh, the fact that uh, the government gives incentives to big farmer that says, oh, the first one done uh, gets, you know, gets these multi-billion dollar contracts. And by the way, you can't be sued. Something doesn't, yeah. that doesn't pass the smell test. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, no, not, not at all. And there were so many things in between that were very troubling. Like I've said, if we had a few hours here, I could talk about some of this business with the big farmer. Cause I honestly, I worked in uh, the intelligence bureau and some of mm. these things that will be forwarded our way from uh, big pharma companies, as far as, um, you know, perceived complaints, they have their own, they have their own units that, that monitor all these chat rooms mm. and they would forward absolute lots of garbage. Uh, I, this is, I could talk for a long time about this stuff. Matt, do you know about, do you know some uh, fellow officers, some Catholic officers that, you know, they, they, they probably weren't as well formed as you are in your faith. They're not steeped in the, in the Catholic faith as you are. They went out and got the jab, and now some of them uh, have medical problems. Maybe some of them may even have passed away. Do you know any of those cases from the NYPD? I, I do. I do. I know them from the NYPD and also outside of it, my private life. Um, there's one, there's a, f- a few stories, but one, if I could uh, kind of tell you that story, uh, Jesse yeah, yeah, Bourne. It's, um, one, one, I'm a, he's a friend of mine, and he was dead set against getting this, this, um, this shot. And his little background, his wife died of, of cancer in 2017. So he's a single father. He has two daughters. He is living paycheck to paycheck, has a mortgage. He sent them to Catholic schools and things of, of the like. And he, um, he just didn't very, very similar, uh, thought process on, on it that I think we all have. So he put in for a religious exemption, which was uh, denied. Mm. And he went, and as a result, because he still just did not want to get this, he went and got himself a card that said he got it, like probably thousands of other uh, civil servants who were in the, in the same predicament. Well, one of these uh, offices that produced these cards was raided by the FBI. And mm. his name happened to be on the tally of certain people that have gotten them. And, and so Hold they rounded up. Hold that thought, Matt. We're going to a hard break real quick. Jesus okay. 911, Jess Romero, Paul Clay, Matt Reed talking about uh, life in NYPD under, uh, under the COVID mafia. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, three-man car. Jess Romero, Paul Clay, Matt Reed. We're talking about all things Catholic here. Three retired uh, law enforcement officers. Matt, let me ask... uh, I want to hear some of the stories of some of the people that you know that have been casualties of the jab. Uh, Some people that they probably didn't have uh, the moral formation that you have and, and they just kind of buckled and now they're kind of they're, they're paying the price. What can you tell us about some of these stories, law enforcement or otherwise? Well, the one before the break, I was uh, talking about with this, this man who was, who was uh, rounded up with many of the civil servants for having a card that said he had, uh, that he did have the jab, that mm. um, they were brought into an official department interrogation and they were told that they were going to be terminated. Not only that, they were sit- facing seven years in a federal penitentiary for this, this capital offense, I guess, as they saw it. So as they're going into this, this um, uh interrogation one of them gets a call from his wife that the fbi is knocking at their front door and all sorts of other things like this so he has a choice to get it or he's going to be terminated and and so he was put on leave without pay and in the weeks went by he wasn't getting a paycheck and he said well what choice do i have i have to support my girls and things like that so he went and got it and he says is is a needle one in his arm he just Felt more shame than he could ever imagine. He just kept saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, I'm sorry. Over and over again. And the next day, he's in, in the supermarket. And he's pushing his shopping carriage. And he uh, his heart starts to beat out of his chest. He doesn't know what's going on. He, he passes out into his shopping carriage. And he's brought to the ER. And they don't know what's going on. They think he's having a heart attack. And uh, so after tests and days in the hospital and things like that, uh, he is put on medication for uh, for high blood pressure, myocarditis, and all sorts of other things going on. So now he's he's medicated for the rest of his life. He has to be monitored with all, all this other business. And uh, so that's his situation. And then there's uh, another one. He was a lieutenant. He was a squad commander of a detective squad in the city. And uh, he was a real in shape guy. The whole thing, similar situation, didn't want it. He was denied. And he was put on leave without pay, uh, pending termination, and he succumbs to the pressure as well. And the last thing that he remembers was the needle going in his arm. And he ended up waking up a number of days later after having had a massive stroke. Mm. And he's now paralyzed in half of his body. And yeah. he's certainly no longer a police officer. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate, but... um, um we had people high up within the church that were telling us that uh, it was actually an act of love to go out and and get this shot. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate because um, people were confused, you know what I mean? Uh, and, 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 and a lot of Catholics are just, you know, it's part of the DNA that, hey, well, if this person says it within the church, then, yeah. you know, it must be OK. And so, um, uh, again, uh, there's a lot of confusion out there in the world today. And uh, like you, Matt, I know plenty of people who have suffered because of uh, uh, as a result of that. 
And the media has done everything in their power to just cover up these stories and to just, hey, nothing to see here. Let's move on, you know. And but um, but if you're looking, you know, you can find the information. And um, uh, again, um, it's never a good idea to take something that's experimental uh, and where they're, you know, this this novel virus where they're actually injecting you with a live portion of the virus as far as the mRNA uh, shots that they were getting and think that somehow there was going to be no uh, repercussions for it. Um, it's really sad what's happened. Um, and, uh, and I honestly think that this was just a test run for something in the future. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 that's my take. <laughs> I'll tell you three bishops that were very strong on this from day one. Bishop Strickland from Tyler, Texas, he was yep. he, he said, I don't care about all the political pressure. I'm not I'm not taking it. Uh, you know, he uh, he was he kept repeating over and over again uh, that uh, we sh we should oppose it. Also, yes. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, very consistent from day one. He also issued letters, did many podcasts. And he says, nope, it's uh, morally unacceptable to to, you know, be injected with aborted fetuses. And another bishop that was also very consistently strong against it right from the very beginning, they didn't buckle, was Bishop Athanasius Snyder, the uh, yeah. bishop of, of uh, Astana, Kazakhstan. Uh, he, uh, he was also very consistent. Uh, and, and also Cardinal Raymond Burke. The, those four come to mind. Uh, they were stalwart. They were, they were just telling, telling the people, hold the line. But I, I get it. I know why people buckled, you know. So you, a young guy's got a mortgage payment. He's got some young kids at home. Uh, you know, he doesn't, uh, you know, he, he, his whole world could cave in on him uh, if he loses his job that he's probably worked so hard for. So my heart goes out to a lot of these people. Uh, and, I, and I pray for them. I pray for all the people that have been wounded even have even died as a result of this, uh, these mRNA and experimental vaccines. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to pay pay dearly in front of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, because they they abuse their authority, they abuse their power, and 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 it came all the way from the very top. I mean, Pope mm -hmm. Francis, unfortunately, he was saying that taking the jab is an act of charity, an act of love. Uh, Cardinal Pell, right before he died, he said very clearly that Pope Francis, or, nor anybody else in the Vatican, nobody has the authority to make these judgments. Uh, these are medical decisions that should be made by people individually. They don't have authority there. That's not within their, uh, th that's not a matter of faith and morals. That's not within their purview. So I was mm -hmm. glad that Cardinal Pell basically said the Vatican has no expertise on medicine. Because uh, <laughs> that, that, that cleared it up for a lot of us. Uh, but Matt, um, yeah, if you could share another, another story or two uh, about some of the people that you know personally. Uh, that suffered some type of tragedy as a result of uh, taking this mRNA in injection? Sure. Well, there's a uh, a wonderful older couple who I know from, from our parish. And they, um, the, the wife, she has a, a grandniece who was uh, 19 years old, and she was going to school in Florida, and they wouldn't let her back in without, uh, in, back into college without this shot. So she's a young girl who's in a coma for weeks. And she she lived, she survived, but she has massive, massive brain damage and everything else. So you have a perfectly healthy 19-year-old girl who's go off to college and wants to 
go back just because she wants to be with her friends and things like that. And now she's her her life is is virtually destroyed uh, yeah. for being pressured into this. So, yeah. um, like I said, it, there's there's stories on the job. There's stories off stories off the job. Yeah, listen, Matt, my son, he was getting his master's degree in the medical field. He's uh, he was uh, studying to be a, a nurse practitioner mm. and his online school told him that it was mandatory that he take the shot <laughs> mm. online. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's how this is how ridiculous yeah. it was, you it's, know, it defies logic. Yeah. Hey, here's a bit of good news in the midst of some of these stories. I don't know if you guys have heard. I've been told, I don't think it's fake news. Somebody just said that uh, the Texas Rangers win the first World Series title in franchise history. And here's what's interesting. Uh, This is the only team to not have a drag night uh, of all the baseball teams in the country. And uh, they win the World Series. First, First World Series for Texas Rangers. They're the only baseball team that did not have a pride night. Coincidence? Mm. I don't know. I don't think so. Interesting. <laughs> well, I know we were rooting for them hard in this house. That's for sure. And uh, <laughs> that's that's honestly the, one of the main reasons. That's the main reason, to be honest there with you. Is. You know, the, the Dodgers <laughs> fell flat in their face and the Rangers won the World uh, Series. Hallelujah. Well, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Yeah. Just, just mentioned that the uh, – that you were a traditional Catholic. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how, uh, has that, has that been something that you were raised in or did, or did you gravitate toward uh, traditional Catholicism? Uh, well, I, I found my way as, as an adult, uh, to it. I wasn't raised with it. I was raised in, uh, very much of the times in Sordo parish where there were folk bands and, all this, this other things. It was such a at the time. It was we didn't know anything else. That's just what yeah. we were raised with, right? And yeah. um, you know, luckily, I came from the family I came from, where you know, my parents and grandparents and everyone they were doing what the church was telling them to do. So that's yes. just went along with it. But my grandparents were very, very devout. They were daily mass mm-hmm. goers. They were extremely involved. They lived their life in a completely what would be considered a Vatican pre-Vatican II way. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Which I didn't understand uh, as a kid. It was it was very strange to me. It would make me li- honestly a little uncomfortable at times just because uh, they were so pious and devout and they did all these things that I didn't really understand. And that definitely planted a seed that, that bore fruit many years later after I got married and um, we had our, um, our first son and um, you know, there's a long thing, a lot of things that led to it, but um, it was a, um, I went to midnight mass one, uh, one Christmas Eve with my, I was, we were staying with my wife's family in suburban Chicago and, and my wife uh, was raised Lutheran. They were all Lutheran at the time. And I said, well, I'm going to midnight mass. I had never been to midnight mass before. And it was a, um, a Latin Obersorto which I didn't know even know existed. I just thought I'd go to mass. And it it was one of those times in your life where you say, this kind of your life before and it your life after. And I really, I saw something I'd never seen before. I heard Gregorian chant for the first time in my life in a church, mm. all these things. And I, and I just knew it had such a profound effect on me. And, you know, just the next day I said to my wife, I said, this was amazing. You got to see it and everything else. And I started praying the rosary consistently for the first time in my life. I would never... I never prayed the rosary growing up. 
and um, sought out the traditional Latin mass. Um, this would have been about 2012 or so, 2013. And um, so I took my wife and our young, very young son at the time uh, to a traditional Latin high mass at uh, Church of St. Agnes in Midtown Manhattan. And it, it changed my life. It Amen. changed everything. Um, I can't, to put it into words would seem cheap. It was just beyond uh, even a level of even being able to articulate in words, but um, just the effect it had on my faith on our, our marriage. Uh, you know, my wife who had no, no intention of ever converting to Catholicism uh, within a few months started at the ICRCIA uh, process wow. within a few Wow. Let's go. Hold that thought, Matt. We want to pick it up there in yes. the next segment. Yes. Jesus 911 three-man car talking all things Catholic, three retired cops, talking about the effect of the Latin Mass on uh, when you encounter it. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911 conversation here with Matt Reed, retired NYPD, myself and Paul Clay. Uh, Matt, it seems it seems like a, a lot of people uh, that are really seeking for 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 more of the Catholic faith are discovering or rediscovering the Latin Mass. And uh, you're just one of thousands of people that I've know that have uh, made that jump. And and again, I I, I tell people uh, uh, my position is I'm not against the Novus Ordo. I go to the Novus Ordo whenever I can't get a Latin Mass. Luckily, here in the Diocese of Phoenix, you can find Latin Masses on the weekends. But uh, during the week, I go to the Novus Ordo Mass, and and you can find ones that are done reverently. Again, I, I think uh, Scott Hahn. The way he says it, he says it this way. He says, uh, uh, he says, uh, the Novus Ordo Mass is a valid Mass, but the Latin Mass is a superior Mass. That's in one sentence. He just nails it. The Novus Ordo Mass is the is a valid Mass, but the Latin Mass is a superior Mass. And he talks. He's talking about the richness of the prayers and just the sacredness and the whole silence. That sacred silence that you find in the Latin Mass. But uh, so you discovered it a couple of years ago yourself, right? And it's made all the difference in the world for you, right? Uh, it's made just, it's transformed my life. It's completely transformed my life. Uh, you know, leading up to that for years, like I said, I was very close to my grandparents. They had a great effect on me. And I, I, I looked up to my grandfather as a man, like crazy. My father as well, but my, you know, my grandfather was very devout. And I, I tried, I tried, I wanted to be like him and to, to go to mass and things like that. And I just couldn't do it. I, it just didn't have a hold on me. It just, it just wasn't clicking. And um, I really tried and I was a very kind of blase Catholic for years. You know, there were times we go, long times would go by why you wouldn't go to mass, you know, Christmas and Easter and things like that. And, um, but it all changed, you know, the rosaries, I that was the real difference was the rosary. But then when I found the, the traditional mass, Everything clicked. I understood. I understood so many of these things that never made sense to me. I understood why my grandparents lived the faith the way they did. Um, all these things, it just all clicked. And, and really, from that point, really hit the ground running and, and haven't really slowed down since. And I'm just, because of everything that 
I was raised with what my generation was raised with and, and things like that. I'm, I'm convicted to, to bring this to other people that, that don't know that this is out there because this is a jewel that has been hidden away from millions of Catholics, which is an absolute crime. And this, I firmly believe, is the missing link in the lives of millions of Catholics. Amen. Uh, well, say hi to Father Paracone for me. I know he's your he's a uh, he's the one that leads the, the retreats for all you men. I I met him years ago at a retreat. He gave a he gave a, a bunch of uh, Catholic podcasters and people that are involved in apostolic work. He gave us a retreat as well, and uh, he's he's a he's a real gem. He's one of a kind. Yeah. Hey, Matt, you are preaching to the choir. <laughs> uh, when it when listen listen you are absolutely right i remember like yourself you know um i think for the last uh year and a half uh i've been a latin mass catholic and i gotta tell you uh i'm an acolyte right now and and i, and I have the privilege of uh uh you know getting the latin mass daily <laughs> yeah. and and I gotta tell, I gotta tell you, it has transformed my life, and it has also transformed the wife of my life. I mean, uh, my wife. Uh, and um, I, you know, I'm not going to get into it all here, but I can tell you that, um, uh, you know, my wife had a lot of lot of challenges, you know, and and in, in her life, and uh, uh, the Latin Mass has given her such a peace. And such a, a closeness, and um, um, so like you, um, you know, I felt ripped off. You know, I mm -hmm. felt like I felt like you know, how could they have kept this away? I mean, this is true, authentic, you know, Catholicism. And uh, like uh, when you talk about the the prayers in the mass and and how you understood, the Catholic Church teaches that Lex. Uh, uh, Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi. The law prayed is the law believed. And when you read the prayers of the Latin Mass, uh, it gives you the you know the fullness of of, of everything that our Lord accomplished uh, in a way that the only way I can describe it is when I look at the Novus Ordo uh, liturgy, I see it as anemic. Not that it's bad per se or anything like that, but it just doesn't give you the full you know picture and when you and when you experience the full picture of it it's just uh it's life-changing and and again the law believe uh the law prayed is the law believed and that's what we do at the mass right we pray the mass amen hey uh man let me ask you a question a uh, couple of weeks ago there was a huge public eucharistic rally demonstration out in new york were, were you part of it uh, you know a little bit about that. I, I just watched it on the internet. I saw like 5,000 Catholics out there processing and praying. I think Father Mike Schmidt uh, was leading the procession with the Blessed Sacraments, and he had a canopy around him. Uh, where, where did that take place at? That took place in Midtown Manhattan, and it uh, started in St. Patrick's Cathedral, and then it went out into the streets of New York. And... Um, it was so heartening to see because really, you know, working, living in New York my whole life, which I have and, and working there and things like that, just the, 
really the unbelievable breakdown of the faith is so profound at this point. Mm. It's in the Northeast, it's incredibly profound, which was once the Catholic capital of, of the United States, the Northeast, yep. what was yep. just incredibly uh, you know, highly percentage Catholic. So to see that this day and age, that 5,000 people could process the, the streets of New York you know, with all these priests and, and uh, all these sisters in procession just shows that, you know, that the good Lord, will, it just, I think, reminds us that he'll always, always provide for us no matter what. Mm, yes. He'll always provide for us. We'll never be left alone. Even if we're a tiny remnant, we'll never be alone. And that, that really, talk about a shot in the arm, to see that in, in the midtown Manhattan of all places, the, the belly of the beast, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there was two shots in the arm that have helped a lot of people in the last couple of months. Uh, the, the procession in New York, it's all over the internet, and people are talking about it all over the country. It was, it was drop-dead beautiful. And also, mm-hmm. I think the Dodger rally in Los Angeles, where you got the same mm-hmm. type of amount of people out there, that was also a shot in the arm of Catholics. Letting Catholics know, guys, you know what? There's a bunch of us out there that actually believe, and we're ready to live and die for Jesus Christ. They're out there, and events like this bring out the remnant. It brings other people out. And what it does also, it inspires other people that may be on the fence, other people that are saying, man, these guys actually stand for something. What do I believe in? And so uh, those two events in, Do- in uh, Dodger Stadium and in Midtown Manhattan, I think they were two jolts in the arm. They were some uh, shots fired across the bow, letting Catholics around America know, guys, uh, God does have a faithful remnant and uh, and we're not going anywhere. Let me ask you another question, Matt. Do you know, uh, years ago, a movie came out about an NYPD cop. I've met him a few times. We've had some conversations named Ralph Sarchi. I don't know if you, if, if you know him or is he part of the uh, fraternity of Catholic uh, of, of St. Michael? Yes, I certainly do know him, Ralph Sarchi. He was, when I was a young rookie cop in the 4-6 uh, precinct in the Bronx, he was a sergeant there. And he is undoubtedly the most intense, intense uh, police officer I think I've ever met. He was full speed ahead, full speed ahead, uh, old school. He was old school even when old school was old. Uh, <laughs> he <laughs> hard was charger. Else. Oh, he was a hard charger. He was a very hard <laughs> charger. But, you know, he he cared about us. He enough to I, I told the story before, but. Uh, he had us for a detail one day in Midtown Manhattan. We came down for the Bronx in a, in a van, and we were assigned to stop. I don't even know what it was, but we're driving along, and he says, uh, he says to us, all right, guys, how many of you in the van are Catholic? So it being New York, especially cops, almost all of us said, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, all right. <laughs> My next question is, when's the last time you've been to confession? And almost looked at each like, oh, boy. <laughs> and so then he says to us, okay, well, you know what? Today's your lucky day. Because you're all going, so wow. he, he drives us over to wow. uh, this uh, church right by Madison Square Garden, and he says, "All right, guys." He goes, "You're big boys. I'm not going to make you get out of the van, but you know what? This is important. This is a there's an opportunity for you to make yourself right with God. Uh, I suggest you go in. I'm going in. If anyone wants to follow me, go go. Come on in." So uh, I took the opportunity to do it. And Lord knows how many years at that point it had been since I had been confession. I was probably, I think I was 23 at the time. And I don't know, it was many years. And, and I did go. And um, I never forgot that. That's, again, no. one of those 
those seeds that are that really bear fruit later on. And I called him up years after he retired, and I thanked him for it. I just said, you yes. know what? I just want to thank you for that. You had a, you cared enough to stick your neck out to be the subject of ridicule, and 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 you know what? It was an act of charity. It was a real act of charity. Yes, yes. Well, God bless your sergeant for that. You know, that that's the kind of thing you will never forget. If that happened to me, I would be talking about it forever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I want to get yeah. your take, uh, your take, uh, Matt and Paul as well, on uh the synod and synodality. Where do you, where do you think this is going? Where do you think uh this uh is is there an agenda behind this? What can faithful Catholics do? I want to get your take, but we're going to go to a hard break, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Jesus 911. We got Jess Romero, Paul Clay, Matt Reed, talking about all things Catholic. We're going to talk about the synod and synodality, this, uh, this notion here that you can change the church through synods. Hmm. We want, to, we want to investigate that. And also, what we can do just as individual Catholics, I think we're down to a to a Moses moment uh, put the door po- put the blood of the lamb on your doorpost and on the lintels of your house and uh, turn every single house into a domestic church I think that's where we're at right now every man has to be his, the Saint Joseph of his, of his house and protect his domestic church we'll be right back I want to get their take on the synod now Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, remember that the month of November, we are called to pray for the holy souls in purgatory, and we know that the church extends beyond those whom we can see here on earth. You got the church triumphant, the church militant, the church uh, and the church suffering. So remember, do little penances throughout the month, pray a rosary every single day, offer sacrifices for all those who have died, especially those who have died as a result of the uh, the jab. Let's keep them in our prayers as well, especially this month of November. More people will go to heaven in November, according to Catholic tradition, than any other month. Souls are released more powerfully in November. So make sure you're doing penance, fasting, prayer, the daily rosary, because... Uh, Again, we just we want to commemorate all those who have passed away, <clears throat> and uh, let's let's hope uh, and pray that uh, they reach the beatific vision. But before they reach the beatific vision, they got to be cleansed in purgatory, and a lot of that happens by our prayers. I also want to thank the newly elected uh, Mike Johnson, the newly elected Speaker of the House, and Representative Jim Jordan. These guys aren't even Catholics, and they're out there fighting for Catholics. They're going against the Department of Justice. They're going against the Biden administration. And they're going after them saying, you guys are targeting traditional Catholics. So I just want to just uh, thank Speaker Mike Johnson, uh, Representative Jim Jordan. These guys are holding the the Justice Department accountable for going after pro-life and traditional Catholics. And they're holding them responsible for their actions. And uh, again, uh, investigating the traditional Catholic as as being equivalent to a domestic terrorist, that's absolutely sick. And I'm glad to see that Mike Johnson and Jim Jordan, they're not even Catholics, and they're out there fighting for us. God bless these guys. Keep them in your prayers, and I'm glad they're in office. Uh, Matt, Paul, I want to just ask you guys a little bit about uh, 
the synod on silliness. I mean, the synod on synodality. Get your take. I'll give you my take. I'll just say, in my opinion, the synod to me, it's the great reset of the Catholic Church. That's what it is. <clears throat> and and for me, any bishop not objecting to the synod is causing serious scandal. Because if you think about this, less than one percent of Catholics were surveyed. Uh, also, non-Catholics were surveyed, anti-Catholics were surveyed. So this synod is a total fraud. They've already predetermined the outcome. Uh, and, and the church synods are being used right now by these modernists to politicize the Catholic church. In other words, they're saying we no longer have to use lean on sacred tradition. We no longer have to lean on sacred scripture. Now we're going to lean on sacred synods. Yeah. Sacred Tell us synods. what you really think, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, in my take, I think this uh, synod on silliness, uh, we as Catholics, I'm glad there's a lot of people protesting. I'm glad to see Michael Matt, uh, John Henry Weston, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, uh, Bishop Strickland, and many others. They, they were invited over last week to Rome, right across the street from the Vatican, and they respectfully uh, protested and uh, resisted the, what's going on in the synod, representing millions of Catholics around the world. And so I think I was invited to the conference, but uh, they wanted me to speak in Spanish. It's funny. John Henry Weston <laughs> says, Jess, we want you to speak in Spanish because the Pope listens in Spanish. <laughs> and uh, I just come from Israel. I don't want to make another trip uh, 16 hours across, across mm -hmm. the pond. So I said, you know, two trips. One trip across the pond a year is good enough for me. I said, John, if I wasn't going to Israel, I said, I definitely would go with you and, and give a talk in Spanish. But uh, yeah, I want to get it from you guys. What do you guys think about the Synod? Matt? Well, I think it really just puts an exclamation point on the things that we spoke about earlier, about how, uh, again, with the jab and things like that, how just with the hierarchy coming from the very top and all the way throughout that, they are obsessed with these worldly matters, things that have nothing to do with the faith. And when you look at the minutes from the synod, everything that led up to it, the preparatory documents and everything, they speak about everything but the salvation of souls, everything. Mm. <laughs> and we, as we all know, the, the first and foremost mission of the church is the salvation of souls. And it's none to be found in any of these documents. They talk about everything having to do with the environment, make, being a listening church. You know, as if the church never listened before. You know, we sent <laughs> missionaries across the entire globe, Christianized almost the entire world, but they didn't listen at all. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, you know, if if uh, you know, you know, some of the documents of Vatican II with the French Revolution and the Church regarding uh, syncretism and things like that, well, this is certainly uh, something even more than that. And it's just, I, I don't think the serious Catholic even pays any mind to it anymore. I know in my circles, we don't even talk about it because we don't take him seriously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, we just don't take him seriously. Hey, hey, Matt, that was a mic drop moment. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's hardly anything I can say to add to that because you were just like, pop, drop the mic. Listen, listen, uh, I, I will say this. Uh, clearly, clearly, uh, the Bible tells us to test the spirits, right? Uh, we know there's a spirit of the world. There's that zeitgeist that, you know, and like you said, the focus seems to be right now, 
for, for some of the, those in the church, it seems to be on everything but the business of the church, like you just said. Um, and those things, you know, they don't matter. Those things really don't matter. Uh, Jess, you mentioned uh, uh, the Great Reset. No, it's the attempted Great Reset because the Catholic faith can never be reset. Okay, uh, again, they might they might be in control and they might have control of the buildings, but they don't have control of the faith, right? And so, uh, but there are those who have uh, apostatized, I'll say, you know, and and lost the faith. And sacred scripture warns us; it says that that people's love will grow cold toward the end, and that's what you see—a lack of love. And if God is love, dare I say? A lack of love for God, a, a lack of God, and 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 that relationship with God, um, yeah. Um, the synod on synodality again is nothing more than an. Uh, Jess, we often we talk about it on the show. You say, you know, we used to say we're watchmen on the wall, but now we say, hey, the enemy has already infiltrated the walls, and it's a knife fight. We're all in a knife fight right now, yeah. and we we have to stick to the perennial teachings of the faith. They can never change. God is immutable from uh, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. Therefore, what God said through the church, uh, through the mystical body of Christ uh, a thousand years ago is relevant today. And it does not change. That's my take. That's why I said we have to go back to Exodus, I think, chapter 12, where Moses tells all the men. Get a lamb, sacrifice the lamb, uh, cook the lamb, and put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your house. In other words, yep. what that tells me is that every Catholic man, they got to suit up. Every Catholic man should have their house blessed with the sacred heart of Jesus, the sacred heart home enthronement. Yes. Uh, every Catholic man should have, uh, you know, an, a, a, an image of, our, of the sacred heart of Jesus in their home, a crucifix. Every Catholic man should be praying every single day prayers, blessing the house. Some, something simple, just like St. John Chrysostom says, raise your hand over your house and say, may the peace of Christ be upon this house. Something that simple every single day. Yes. Uh, there's also the traditional, in, in, the, in, the, in the traditional Catholic practice, you also have the, uh, uh, the blessing the house, uh, chalking the house uh, once a year during... Uh, Epiphany Sunday. Uh, that's also a good practice for Catholics to, to to start chalking your house and having your house blessed every single year with the Epiphany. It's called the Epiphany blessing. That's another good thing that we should be doing as Catholics to keep the house protected. Again, because we're in a knife fight now. Every Catholic man is called to be a Saint Joseph. Every man, Catholic man is called uh, to protect their domestic church because re right now we have uh, the wolves are guarding the hen house. And and to me, this this synod, we also obviously know that Christ is in charge, but we got some bad players right now, and this synod is nothing less than Vatican III, because that's what the word synod means. If you look at the documents of the church, synod means council. It's a synod. It's like car and automobile. So this synod is Vatican III, and uh, the modernists, they want to keep these synods moving the church towards modernism through baby steps. This is what they call incrementalism. And, and this is what the devil does. St. Paul talks about this is the way the devil gets a foothold into something through incrementalism. 
he gets a foothold on a person's on a person, a family, a politician, and especially church leaders. And uh, so, as as Catholics, we go got to go back to what Moses says: every single house must be uh, covered by prayer, by the blood of the Lamb, and every single house. As Catholics, we should be receiving the Eucharist as often as possible so we can bring the graces of that Eucharist back to our domestic church. Matt, comment? Yeah, Jess. Go ahead, Matt. I, I was going to say, you know, as far as that goes, Jesse, I I cannot possibly agree with you more. And and just, I have a large stake in this myself. I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I have many childhood friends, many former co-workers that... that um, that they need the real Catholic faith. They need the the full enchilada here because what's been going on the last few decades has been an absolute catastrophe. And uh, it, honestly, and I, I've said it before that it really gets it gets me a little. I said it gets my Irish up here because I see this and I I love these guys here. And when I when you read these documents, when you see all this other business going on, men don't speak like this. They don't speak like this. And, I mean. It's just, I think, I read this, I say to myself, I mean, I mean, come on here. You know, what red-blooded red man talks like this? It is, don't. So you know who's in charge here. So, um, you know, you really, uh, it's just full speed ahead. We have to, we have to keep our, uh, our boots in the ground and go and get uh, the lost sheep here in their areas. Amen. As we all know, there are many of them. Many, speaking many, of, many of them. Speaking of, law, speaking of lost sheep, what's the, name, what's the name of the website? The website to the fraternity of uh, St. Michael. The, the, okay, it's patrolmansfraternity.com. Patrolmansfraternity.com. You can go there. Uh, we have a website. We have a telegram, telegram chat, as you said, Jesse. We want as many cops to come on board as possible because we have lots of work to do, and we need men who are not afraid, you know, men who have chased bad guys down dark alleys in the middle of the night. After you do that, you're not afraid of much in life. We need men like that to step in and let's go. Amen. Matt, thank you very much for coming on the show, brother. We'll have to do this again. Paul, that this, sounds uh, great. Yeah, Paul, you're going to have to be part of this uh, fraternity. I'll, I'll give you the information. Oh. We need to go. Oh, I, I, yeah, I got a bunch of guys that I'm going to send that way uh, that, oh, are, that, I, are, that are still on the job. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, brother, Bring God bless on. you guys. Viva Cristo Rey, and uh, may God bless you and your families. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands on apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for us three, EOW, end of watch. We are out. See you next time.